Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hello there. Welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 33 with Lisa Endersby. She was kind enough to donate some of her time to talk about uh, student affairs assessment in a very general macro sense. Uh, why, is it, why is it important? Uh, why has it gotten so much attention lately? And what can you do uh, to better assess the things that you're doing on your campus? So uh, we talk about everything from Canadian Thanksgiving at the beginning to Brene Brown and, um, and a lot of good resources and strategies and tactics to uh, do good assessment, good, simple, low-cost assessment on your campus, um, and really kind of try and broaden the perspective of what that word actually means um, and make it into something that's not so scary to a lot of folks. Um, so I had a lot of fun. Lisa is great. Uh, she has a lot of uh, good perspectives on things, a lot of good stories and ideas to share. So uh, plug into this episode and uh, learn some cool ways to uh, do good by your students and do even better work for your students in the in the future and to continuously improve. So check out this episode number 33 with Lisa Endersby. So yeah, how are you? How are things? How's life? It's uh, it's a little cold and gray here in Canada this morning. It's a little, uh, it's a little depressing. The leaves are beautiful. Right. Uh, I live right across the street from a park, so I just press my nose against the glass and, and look at the leaves, but it's cold. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like it, we had sort of because uh, I'm, I'm I'm sort of close to Canada now yeah, um, yeah. in Maine, and it's like I think it's been unseasonably warm, and I think it's going to be like getting spoiled, I guess now with like oh yeah, yeah. Well, we've had we've had the same thing. I think it was last week. I guess I guess mid last week. I try to go out for a walk when I can or run or something. And at one point, I had a jacket on and I was wearing you know socks and shoes. Okay, this is great. And I keep telling my partner, I can't dress for outside. Like, I missed that part in Adult 101. Like, <laughs> I just can't. I can't dress for outside. So once I was out, you know, sneakers and a jacket, and I was good. And then I went out the next day, and it was like, for us, you know, 20 degrees Celsius. So it was warm. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm sweating. Like, I, I give up. I don't I don't know day to day, hour to hour yeah. what to do. I mean, not that, I, not that as a Canadian, I should complain about warm weather, but. Right, yeah. <laughs> You're just like built for something else. Where it's like, I don't know what to do with this. I just well, have a bunch exactly. of jackets and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I've got a parka and a t-shirt. Like, there's nothing in between. What do I do? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Um, and you had uh, recently, because I, I guess I'm always just a curious person. Like, Canadian Thanksgiving was recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's is. It, I don't know if you have like a point of comparison or something. Is it like American Thanksgiving? Like, or why is it different? I'm not. I'm not sure. I guess like the history behind it. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm a bad Canadian. I'm not really sure what the historical difference is either. Um, I mean, we we don't do anything, obviously, with Christopher Columbus or anything like that. Um, we don't have the same sort of lore, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or if we if we do, we don't talk about it in the same way. Um, it's just always been the case for us that it's been in October. Um, it was only I only realized it was different when I started meeting all of my American friends and going to conferences. When I realized that your Thanksgiving is completely different, because I was wondering why people were emailing me on that Monday. So like, shouldn't you all like be? At home, yeah, or something, and I like I'm ignoring emails that day, and it's like, oh, right, American yeah. Canadians still learning, um, but no, I don't know historically um, why why that difference exists. I mean, as I said, we we have a different lore that we celebrate, right? Um, you know, sort of like the the pilgrims coming and their whole uh, interaction with the Indians, which is its own problem in and of itself, just as Christopher Columbus can be its own challenge. Um, 
as well. So it's not a history that I guess we we trumpet or celebrate as well. But yeah, yeah. and I'm I heard excited for Turkey earlier. I <laughs> right, I just can't wait. Um, yeah. Um, so I think that's where I get it because I, I I think it'll be homework for everybody else as well as myself. I'm gonna like go look up Canadian Thanksgiving or something. I'll yeah. include it in the show notes. <laughs> well, it's weird. I feel like I have to too, especially when I go to conferences in the states and especially now that i'm a part of acpa 2016 when they're so oh my gosh canada international so you know i've always been a representative of my country every time i go to naspa or acpa or you know on the essay podcast or anything like that right um so it'll be interesting now <laughs> to uh like so i feel like i need to be completely well versed in my country's history and like you know 1867 okay i know that and like, <laughs> like all of a sudden i need to be very very canadian i mean i i am obviously but i feel like i need all my facts and figures and, and stats in my back pocket for acpa 2016 right right um so that's a actually a segue to where we always start even if being called sort of the cultural ambassador of canada but um yeah. <laughs> yeah so just as we always start just kind of a quick introduction of um who you are and the short story of how you got to be where you are today. Sure. Um, I'll try and make it a short story. Short stories are never my forte, um, <laughs> but I do like stories. So I'll talk a little bit about um, my path into student affairs as it relates to stories. It's actually something I've been playing with for a little while now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really good at and really enjoy supporting students and faculty and staff, colleagues, um, in pursuit of their own personal narrative and story, but it's only recently that I've been thinking about my own. Um, so this may be an opportunity for me to test that out um, <laughs> on you and on the wider uh, Student Affairs podcast listenership. Um, but I really enjoy narrative and story, particularly as it relates to development. And the fun thing about Student Affairs and higher education is it's such a rich opportunity um, for development. Uh, if you think in terms of the age of the quote-unquote traditional students, even though there's not really such a thing anymore, but that's a separate podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of students who enter into university or college, they're at an age where there's a lot of transition happening, a lot of growth and development happening. Um, and the work that we do in student affairs is profoundly shaped by development and change. We really are there as people are figuring themselves out and figuring things out. Um, so my path started when I realized that this type of work is work I could actually get paid for. Um, I spent a lot of time in my undergrad getting involved in many different things. Um, I like to say that the only thing I didn't do was athletics because at the time I was horribly uncoordinated and I still am to a degree. Um, but I was you know, on different boards, different committees, I ran orientation, I was on student government, um, I went to events, I ran events. So I did anything and everything, but it wasn't until near the end of my undergraduate career um, when I realized that there were people that I was working with, so the staff advisors, um, you know, leadership development staff, who were actually getting paid to do what I was doing for free out of the goodness of my heart. Mm-hmm. And kind of went, oh, this is actually a legitimate career path. This is something I could actually do. And there's courses I could take. There are programs I could take. Um, there's paths I could follow that could allow me to give back and have an impact much as many of the staff and faculty I interacted with had an impact on me. Um, So it's not the most unique story, I suppose. I think a lot of my colleagues have gone through the same thing where you sort of fall into it and and realize that it's a viable career path. but I think what's become more important to me is that whole idea of narrative and storytelling. So my entire career now has really been fundamentally shaped by narrative, whether that's sharing in stories around community development, 
whether that's understanding personal stories. Um, I do a lot of research and enjoy talking about authenticity. Uh, Brene Brown is my homegirl. So I talk, I talk a lot about authenticity and vulnerability, particularly in an online uh, social media lens. Um, and the subject of our podcast today, assessment, which fundamentally for me is about telling and celebrating stories as well. Um, so it's been a very windy path and the path continues to be windy, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's it's very cool. And I think, yeah, I mean, like, because I get like stories my own way, like I'm sort of, I guess, I'm more of a visual person. So I like to watch a lot of like movies and television. Mm-hmm. I watch things I think that have like substantial stories and try and get like a, a lesson or a moral or like a meaning behind those things. And it is always just like, uh, you know, in this work, I think it is important, like knowing that everybody has a story and like kind mm-hmm. of, you know, embracing that, like you're saying. Um, and I guess I'm just curious, like, uh, like, how did you get to be, because I know you're doing, you're, correct me if I'm wrong, I guess, but like, you're sort of doing your own thing, like being sort of a speaker and consultant and mm-hmm. those kind of things. Like, how did you get to be doing that? Because I feel like that's always a value, I guess, to people to sort of see into that process. Yeah. And again, I wish I was able to talk about some of these stories and some of these adventures in a very, I did X and then Y happened and then Z happened. I'm Canadian, right. So Z happened. Um, but it, it's not something that I think I actively started out thinking I wanted to do or could do. Um, I've been very fortunate and very privileged and I'm very humbled and honored by the fact that I've been invited into a lot of great opportunities. Um, When I explain a lot of what I do to friends or family or other colleagues who aren't in student affairs, I usually say a lot of my life is surrounded by many different acronyms. So I talk about (laughs) NASPA, I talk about ACPA, I talk about CAUCUS, which is sort of our Canadian NASPA, ACPA, um, NODA, many different acronyms. Um, And really, a lot of my consulting and speaking started with getting involved with these different acronyms, these different associations. I'm very social by nature, which I'm sure is clear to many people who know me and work with me. And I enjoy people as much as I enjoy their stories. I find those two very intimately connected and I enjoy the opportunity to learn more about other people. Um, And I also just enjoy digging more deeply into the profession as a whole and learning more about the profession. And I usually gravitate toward the social opportunities to do that. So that's usually conferences, um, webinars, involvement in other committees. Um, So for me, it's a passion for lifelong learning as well as a passion for stories and the people behind them. Um, So getting involved really was the first step into that and finding like-minded people who were interested in the work I was doing, Um, and not being afraid to ask for those opportunities. So it started out with going after the opportunities that are readily apparent, you know, submitting a conference proposal and crossing Mm -hmm. your fingers and waiting and then getting the email back and being very excited and then panicking about the work you had to do, but then being excited (laughs) about it anyway. Um, But then what I found was if I found there was something missing or if I wanted to pursue something more, um, I asked about it. And it sounds so incredibly simple, but it was probably one of the hardest things I had to learn to do. Um, As social as I am, I am definitely a card-carrying member of the imposter syndrome club Mm -hmm. and spent a lot of time going, oh, they wouldn't be interested, or how could I do that, or "Mm, I don't know, and like, do they think it's a good idea? Mm." Um, But what I found over time was, especially when you're doing speaking and consulting, there is always room for your voice. And there is always room for someone with your perspective. And there's always an audience for you. Uh, It may not always be a big audience. I haven't yet done a a keynote speech at NASPA, though who knows. Um, (laughs) But there always is some audience that is interested in what you have to say and interested in the experiences that you've had and the stories that you can tell. Um, And I found that um, with a lot of these acronyms, NASPA, ACPA, caucus, NODA. um, They've all been very welcoming. 
And I think that's a sign of us as a profession as a whole and the colleagues that we work with. We are always very open to new ideas and to conversation and to dialogue. I mean, a lot of that sounds like buzzwords, conversation and dialogue and meaningful interaction. Um, but it's true. Yeah. And so I think having the chance to just reach out and ask, I said, you know, I'd really like to do more of this or, um, you know, I think this is missing from what you're doing. Could there be an opportunity for me to do this? Um, and we talk about networking all the time and I've done that, but what I've done more of is relationship building. Yeah. So going to those people, networking was sort of my step in. So I guess if you were to frame it for me, networking is sort of the first step. Like I know who you are. I'd like to speak to you. Let's have that initial conversation. But then I quickly transition into relationship building. And then people will come to me after and say, you know, I really liked what you had to say about X, Y, Z. Let's have that conversation. Um, and have given me the opportunity to be involved. So I've asked for things. Um, and I've continued to build those relationships. And I can tell you many stories of, you know, almost six degrees of separation. Like I met so-and-so who knows so-and-so. So I had this conversation with them and happened to mention that I write a blog post about such and such. And then she read my post and said, oh, I'm working on this book chapter. Do you want to work with me on this? So it becomes, mm -hmm. you know, you don't see the whole path um, when you start making those little moments or those little relationships. But they all do lead to something. Um, so, you know, continuing to put yourself out there, continuing to connect with people, taking every opportunity to share what you're interested in and what you're good at, um, and not being afraid to talk about that and not being afraid to say, I enjoy this and I like it. And more importantly, not being afraid to say you're good at it because trust me, you are, whether you think you are or not. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the big thing that I really appreciate for that is that, like, there's always room for your voice. And I think that's probably going to be reassuring for a lot of people if they're like thinking about doing that. So um, I appreciate you kind of sharing your story and your, your journey with that because that sort of does lead us in um, because that is all sort of the story of how you got to be um, somebody who really kind of jams on assessment and is known for <laughs> it. Um, so, you know, just I guess kind of exploring this topic kind of generally, mm -hmm. what do you think has kind of caused the, um, I guess just in sort of my mind, I like kind of entered the field and it seemed like you know, like through my grad program just a couple of years ago and all that, like it was sort of was one of those buzz things, like a hot topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has it always been there or what caused it to be something that's really of note now? Um, well, it's always been there. I think our fundamental drive to validate what we do and to say that we're good at something has always been there. Um, but I think the more formal pursuit of assessment has really started. Now, again, I come at this from a Canadian perspective, obviously, but I'll state that bias because the whole notion of accreditation um, is really, I mean, it is in Canada a bit, but it's more of an American phenomenon, at mm -hmm. least right now. Um, but that is one of the reasons why assessment has all of a sudden become so popular, because we are being forced, I suppose, more and more to really prove our worth. We're being forced more and more to say we are valuable just because we're not in a classroom and just because we don't give letter grades and just because we don't have an official transcript. And again, co-curricular records, whole other topic. Um, there's, there's a need for us to really prove our value and prove our worth, especially with resources being so tight and the job market being the way it is. And students fundamentally are really taking that role of consumer seriously. Um, seeing higher education as a business, seeing it as a return on investment, seeing mm -hmm. it as a transaction. And again, th that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Um, I think in student affairs, we sometimes get caught in the trap of, well, it's all lovely and well about development and students and life altering experiences. And that's not, I don't mean to say that entirely mockingly, but we have to get out of the fact that that's not the only thing that we do. <laughs> um, and I think I see that more, um, 
in Canada, when we talk about colleges and universities in Canada, those are two very distinct yet somewhat overlapping institutions. So for us, universities are the more traditional ivory tower research-based institutions. Colleges for us are more career focused. Um, so we you don't use those terms interchangeably. So especially in the colleges where students are coming in for a year, often part-time for a year or two, are coming in for a specific career with a very specific goal, it's not enough just for us to say, well, we're going to give them a life-altering experience and they're going to learn to be leaders. It's, well, they are coming in because they want this degree, because they want this job. We are a step on their journey. We're not their whole adventure. Um, so assessment has really become that way for us to have to prove that we are still valuable here, particularly when, when I worked at a college, and I've worked at a couple of them, where students come in and get out. They're not often there for the extracurricular, co-curricular activities. Mm -hmm. Um, they're there to get a degree because they want more money, they want a job, they want better opportunities. We may be able to help around that. You know, career services is really big in colleges. Um, but things like leadership and orientation, um, you know, other type uh, student activities, events may not have the same um, presence for those students or the same priority. That's the word I was looking for for those students. Um, so assessment has become this way for us to prove ourselves. Um, and what's interesting, too, is the, that whole idea of proving goes both ways. So I talked about the job market, um, and it's the same in Canada as, as in the States. It's tough. It mm -hmm. is really tough. And I've done career advising. I've done career advising for um, soon-to-be teachers, and that is a tough market here in Ontario and Canada, and I assume it is in other areas as well. Um, so we have to prove our worth as being we can actually help that journey, and here's how. Um, but assessment is also a way for students to really fundamentally show their learning. I won't say show their worth because I think that's in, 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 in eh, what's what I'm looking for innate, haha. <laughs> um, but I think the assessment is also an opportunity for them to really showcase that learning. So it's not just evaluation anymore. It's not just you got this grade. It, what what does it take to get that grade? What does it take to be a graduate of an institution? And students are really taking an interest in assessment. They may not call it that, um, but they're taking an interest in what we do in assessment because we're helping them show that they are valuable in the job market. So career services is really its own form of assessment, just as orientation programming assessments are, just as um, leadership programming assessments are, because we have to get them to show that they have skills and strengths that will help them when they're going out into the quote unquote real world um, to start looking for work. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, get, and I feel like I always try to like, because I think there's a lot of like negative perceptions of assessment. So I always try to look <laughs> at it as like, well, no, it's just showcasing the awesome things that you do and like being able to kind of tell that in a very palatable way if that's, you know, numbers and figures and those sort of things. Because I think, I don't know if people see it, I guess, as foreboding or as it is like, oh, we're transforming into a business and it's all just going to be like, you know, numbers and kind of yeah. all that kind of stuff. But because um, I'm trying to because I feel like you already sort of answered the question, but I'm trying to frame it in another way of just, you know, what makes the work so important? Because I feel like I sort of know the answer to my question <laughs> and I'm, I think I know what you might say or anything, but like stories, I guess, of like what you've seen assessment being able to do or just what makes mm -hmm. it so important, I guess, like what are the outcomes of saying, okay, we are doing assessment, we're doing it well, we're doing what we need to do. What does that lead to or why is it, you know, something that we need to do in the first place? Well, I think you, you started hitting the nail on the head when you talked about that whole idea of it's not just, um, it's not just an end game. It's not just we're just going to have to keep proving ourselves over and over again. And there certainly are some negative connotations to assessment if you only think of it as evaluation. 
Um, so my interpretation of it, which is different from others, and it's probably different from the quote-unquote literature, um, I'm sure I'm not doing this in the most academic way, but when you talk about evaluation, that word and that concept brings up a lot of that negativity. We are mm -hmm. being evaluated. We are being rated. We are being raked over the coals. We are being closely examined. Um, we are being looked at very closely. Um, and that is important in some respects. We want to make sure that we're doing good work. We want to make sure we're spending our money wisely and investing properly. Um, you know, we don't want to be seen as, as not caring about the business side of things because as much as, again, we love student development and we love our student success, we need to make sure that the business side is running correctly. So from an evaluative perspective, that's still important. But it is negative, and to be honest, in some respects, I mean, this is just me again, so I'll bias that with it's just me. It can be somewhat boring and not interesting to talk about the business side. So mm -hmm. it's seen very um, negatively. But the great thing about assessment is that I work from the entirety of the assessment cycle. So I always think of assessment as that full circle experience. And I'm stealing some of this um, from my dear friends and colleagues at Campus Labs. They have a really good um, explanation of this in a lot of their webinars, and they have some great uh, resources that talk about the assessment cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so when you talk about assessment, it's not just looking for success. It's actually allowing us to better create conditions for success to happen. And that's what's really cool to me about assessment. And that's why, to me, it's so important. So when you ask, you know, what can assessment do? Well, it's not just showing success. I mean, that's part of it. It's for students to be able to showcase, here's what I've done. It's for us to celebrate the good work that we do. But we're in a better place to showcase and celebrate because assessment and that good assessment actually allows us to create conditions for success. Because when we do things like learning outcomes, um, when we talk about goals, visions, missions, what we're actually doing is answering the question, what would that look like? And then creating conditions to actually see that happen. Um, so I've done some great work in assessment where, you know, I've probably pissed off far too many colleagues because I keep asking that question, what does it look like? But then we're able to say, well, you know, we want students to become better leaders. Okay, what does that look like? Well, you know, they'll probably be really good at communication. Okay, what does that look like? Well, and you actually dig really deeply, which is frustrating for some, but fascinating for me. Um, to be able to dig deeply into, well, what does communication look like? What does good communication look like? And what does it look like for our students at this institution, mm -hmm. in this program, who have these needs and these strengths and these challenges versus at a different institution or even in a different program? Um, and then creating conditions for that to happen. So if we know good communication means, and I'm really bad at doing learning outcomes off the top of my head, which is bad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, good communication means that they listen respectfully, let's say, and that's still you need to dig deeper into that one. Um, well, how can we help them do that? And what does that look like? Um, because we need to show that these things are happening and happening successfully. So we better be good at actually pointing them out. Um, but what that also does, the fun side effect, is it allows students to find a tangible way to reach out and find success. So, okay, if that's what they want me to do, I can actually do that. And we're taking this huge, scary, audacious, become a better leader goal into something that is manageable, that's measurable, that's observable, um, and is something that our students can do. So that's what's really cool to me about assessment. We're not just looking for success, we're actually making it happen. Yeah, um, and I think, because I, I had to scribble it down really quick, because I think it's going to be like the, the quote of the episode, is just <laughs> that it's like creating conditions for success, like that's a great way to frame yeah. um, assessment, and like you're saying, kind of the whole cycle versus just like looking for things that are wrong, or just, you know, um, 
getting like feedback on surveys or something. It's like creating outcomes that you want to strive for, making sure you're succeeding in doing that, seeing what mm -hmm. students need and all that kind of stuff. Like it's a whole sort of system, ecosystem there. But um, I think uh, that's going to be the, the good quote <laughs> of the episode there. But okay, um, pressure's off for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're all good there. Um, so just going now, I guess, into some like actionable stuff, just um, what do you think maybe some, um, whether it's short term or otherwise, but um, just easy ways for folks to kind of implement assessment uh, in their offices, whatever kind of way you want to kind of look at that? Yeah, there's a couple really um, easy and I guess low risk and low cost and not just low cost financially, but low cost resource in general mm -hmm. ways. Um, I've been tasked with the fun challenge many times of bringing assessment to an office that really isn't a big fan of it. Um, and that's for a number of reasons that we already talked about, but I think fundamentally people get nervous because assessment can be very, very personal. Um, when we start evaluating and digging more deeply into the work that we do, um, it's the double-edged sword of people in student affairs are very intimately and personally attached to our work, but it's also the challenge that we are very intimately and personally attached to our work. Mm -hmm. um, so it really is beginning to frame the assessment conversation not around I want to figure out what's wrong but I want to celebrate what's right I want to celebrate what's good um, so I've approached a lot of assessment conversations and I'm doing that right now actually with some clients of mine where I'm talking about you do a lot of great work and you are an office of two and we need to talk about all of this great work that you're doing but we need to do it in a way that other people will understand so what language are you using to talk about these things um, so the very first thing I did with them, I'm doing a whole assessment planning process with them. And stage one was not, okay, I'm going to figure out what you're doing wrong or let's make a survey to give to your students. It was, I want you to collect all of the data, data or information that you already have and bring it to me. And let's look at what you already have to work with. Um, so it actually is a really great first step to start thinking about what data and or information means to you. It's not just survey results. Um, it's not just Excel spreadsheets. Um, it could also be an email from a student that just wanted to say thank you. I mean, fundamentally, academically, that's qualitative data. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people don't think of it that way. You know, and so these people were coming to me with beautiful testimonials from students and um, you know, anecdotal observations that they had um, when they were a part of events. They would say to me, you know, well, I was watching that event happen. I think this would work better. And I would say, well, you're doing assessment. You know, it's not really the most formal of, of evaluations. Yeah. Um, and there are ways to make observations more formal. We can use rubrics and all of those fun things. Um, but you're already doing it. So collect all that information together and look at what you have and then think about what's missing. Well, this testimonial is from one student who had this particular experience. How do we reach those students who won't um, proactively reach out and give us ideas? Um, so just gathering all of that information um, is a really fun way to start the assessment process. Um, another thing that I did that's really fun is really framing it around telling stories, shockingly, because I've been talking about this the whole episode. <laughs> um, but telling a story in a way that makes sense to the people you're working with. So what I did with one group was I knew that there was lots of assessment information floating around. In our case, it was lots of surveys. Um, everything had a survey. And part of that was my fault because it was an easy way to start collecting information. Mm -hmm. um, but then we ran into the problem as we had killed so many trees and there were so many stacks of paper littered throughout everybody's offices. And I said, well, do other people in your hallway know 
um, about the great work that you've been doing. I mean, we see it with each other. We were a small group again, and we were all helping at each other's events. Um, but do you, do they know? Like, does the person who runs leadership know what knows what the orientation stuff was all about, or vice versa? Um, so I had them bring together their information, and I said, I want you to create a poster um, that showcases what these survey results are. Um, so I want it to be visual. And if that if visual means a pie chart to you, great. If visual means an infographic, because I had some really smart people in my office who really wanted to, to play with this and were really into digital media and design. So great, do that. Um, and then as part of a staff retreat, but you could also just put them up in a common area. And it wasn't about anything beyond our group. So it wasn't about, I need you to put this information together, I'm gonna show it to the VP, or I'm gonna show it to our boss's boss. I just want you to show other people you're working with what's going on with your students. Um, so we also framed it that way so it wasn't, you know, show people how successful your program is because we all know that we work in the same office. Of course, we're going to vouch that each other's programs are successful. Mm -hmm. um, but to say, tell us more about your students because that same first generation student is also a first year student, is also a student in your leadership program, is also a student who needs a peer mentor. Um, so we just put them up and for us it was a staff retreat. And so people would just walk around and look at them. I didn't have people stand beside them like a science fair and point them out. It was just come and take a look. Look at who these students are. Um, and fascinating to watch people say, oh, I didn't know that 98% of our first gen students were also from um, you know, single parent households or that sort of thing. Um, and really it did fundamentally reshape how we thought about our students. And again, people got excited about, oh, now we can look for other information and, and look for what's missing. Um, what parts of the story aren't we hearing yet? Um, but fundamentally in all of that, it's not starting from scratch because we don't need to. Um, I think when people start assessment projects, they think, oh, we have to take this big undertaking and we need to put all these things together um, and we need to hire a consultant, which is true and I'm available. Um, <laughs> but but they, um, they don't need to start from, from the ground up. You know, they, they already are doing assessment. Student affairs professionals are already fundamentally curious about their students. They already have collected information. Um, their job and my job when it comes to assessment is really just to formalize it, to fill in the missing pieces of the story, and then look for a common language to share it. Um, so finding that information, talking about it, sharing it. Oh my goodness, I can't emphasize sharing it enough, even with each other. Um, and then start thinking about, okay, what pieces of the story are missing and how can we fill in those gaps? Yeah. And that's, a, I mean, that's a lot of great stuff right there and how you sort of framed it that it was, uh, you know, sort of low cost, low risk, or, um, you know, like not a whole lot of investment or time that needs to take place. Cause just a lot of the things that I'm, I'm hearing there is just that, um, obviously there's data and you have to just kind of make meaning of the data that's mm -hmm. there. Um, but then just testimonials, which I feel like people probably have and value and those are valid to sort of showcase like, you know, anecdotally, here's what the impact we're making on students is. Mm -hmm. um, and then like just making the most of who you have, like some of the things I was hearing there of like, oh, this one person sort of had like, uh, you know, the ability to make infographics and different things. And that helps sharing it, like maximize who you have, mm -hmm. um, which I feel like is a really great piece. Um, but yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's so good. And just like, um, like you're saying, almost doing assessment as, uh, design thinking. So I had that in one of my leadership classes where you kind of mm -hmm. just go into a space and you're like, okay, how are people using this space? How can we make the space be more, you know, kind of oh, suitable to yeah. achieve what we want them to do? If it's like, oh, this is a community space, but nobody ever uses it. Why doesn't mm -hmm. anybody ever use it kind of thing? And that's mm -hmm. sort of assessment without a form and all those different kind of things. But Oh, absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, assessment is really just about 
getting better at asking questions. Um, a lot of people think assessment is strictly answering questions because, again, they see it as being evaluated. Like, why haven't you done this? And how many students have done this? And how often? And how much? And mm -hmm. how many? Um, and again, that's all part of assessment as well. And we can talk about um, program outcomes that way. So, I mean, I can condense the metaphor that I often use. Well, if you think about um, traveling a path, again, there I am with paths and narratives. Um, mm -hmm. But if you think about traveling a path, the car that you're driving is just as important as the destination because if the car breaks down, you're never gonna get there. So we can assess or evaluate um, the car that's being driven, uh, making sure that it's got all four tires. Um, do we even need a car? Should we be using another method of transportation? And then the learning outcomes are the different, I guess, points of interest along the way that the car is driving on to get to the ultimate destination. Um, but we often do that again around answering questions. We're waiting for the mechanic to you know, grill us with, when did you guys get your oil changed? And you know, when was the last time you filled it up with gas and have you cleaned it recently? Mm. And we feel like we're bombarded with all of these questions. Um, but really, we are also in such a fabulous and privileged position to be able to ask really good questions, too. So I always say, you know, at the end of the day, for me, assessment is getting better at asking those questions, um, just as you were doing, walking into a space and saying, what can we do differently? Um, but then thinking about, is that the right question to ask? Because this is why I will never go out of business in assessment, because we can only start <laughs> thinking about better ways to ask the same question. Um, again, frustrating for some, fascinating for me, because I love language and what it means. Um, but playing around with, would I ask the same question to a faculty member that I would ask to a student? Because what information am I actually trying to get? So getting better at asking questions so we can hear more of those stories fundamentally is what makes assessment so exciting. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, there's just always being curious, always asking questions is always yeah. just good general advice. Um, and as we sort of wrap up, is there any um, like tools or resources or anything that you can kind of just recommend that uh, maybe books people should read or articles or um, places that you'd like to sort of direct people to for good stuff? And we'll have uh, all of your contact information as well if people want to sort of follow up about stuff. Yeah, awesome. I was going to say me. <laughs> um, of course, I, I'm always open to these conversations. I'm very active on Twitter when it comes to conversations about assessment. Um, and just to segue into a couple of things on Twitter that are really exciting um, when you talk about assessment, the hashtag SAAssess. So S-A-A-S-S-E-S-S, -S -E -S -S, um, Student Affairs Assessment. Great resources being shared on there. Great people. Um, they talk a lot about assessment, not just from a higher education perspective, but I try to retweet or share information that's coming from the K-12 sector or even more of the, the business sector when they talk about assessment. Yes, there are some fundamental differences, obviously, um, but there's some great stuff being shared there. Um, I will, of course, plug the Student Affairs Assessment Leaders Group, or SAL, um, or SAL, I guess. There are two A's. Um, I'm a part of the Professional Development Committee there, and we do um, a lot of great work in assessment education, assessment training. So we do things called structured conversations, which you'll probably see me uh, tweet about. And those are different assessment professionals talking about different tools, different methods for assessment, um, more philosophically about assessment. We usually try to run one at least once a month if we can. I believe there's one coming up in November and then we'll start up again in the new year. Um, we have some great names um, that I won't share now because they're not finalized, but some big names and assessment coming in um, to talk about um, not just what assessment is and why it's important, but how you can actually incorporate those tools. 
Um, Student Affairs Assessment Leaders also has a great listserv. Um, I don't think a day goes by where I don't get at least one email from the Student Affairs listserv. That is uh, an interesting conversation. Um, so people reaching out, how do I do this rubric or how do I incorporate the CAS standards? Mm -hmm. um, and you get to hear a lot of great perspectives from different institutions. Um, I've had some great networking conversations from there as well because if you answer a question, you can often follow up offline. Um, so lots of great tools there. Um, sitting next to me, even though you can't see it, are a couple of my favorite assessment books, which I wanted to share. Sure. Um, and again, part of these are because um, I love the authors very much um, as people as well as professionals. Um, but I also really like these books as a great sort of foundation um, for assessment. So the first one is Demonstrating Student Success, a Practical Guide to Outcomes-Based Assessment of Learning and Development in Student Affairs. And Dustin, I will give you the, the link to the book because that's a mouthful of a title. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Did you get all that? Yeah. Um, this book is edited uh, by Marilee Bresciani, uh, Megan Moore Gardner, and Jessica Hickmott. And uh, Marilee Bresciani is one of my assessment idols. She does amazing, amazing work. Um, I had the privilege of learning from her at an academic impressions conference in Atlanta. Um, and academic impressions, as an aside, another great resource because they do intensive um, learning practical-based conferences. So it's not a conference where you go to different sessions. We were actually in a room for two days doing real work on assessment and learning. Um, and if you bring a cohort with you, um, people like Marilee will be there as a consultant. She will sit with your team and talk about your individually unique assessment plan. So academic impressions is great for that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but this book, Demonstrating Student Success, is fundamentally, um, for me, like the basics, but with a little bit extra. So I'm just taking a quick look at the table of contents, but it talks about different assessment methods, um, definition and rationale for outcomes-based assessment, barriers to effective assessment. That's a fun chapter. Um, funding, like it goes through um, everything in a lot of detail. There's some great different methods that you can look at, um, some great really uh, guiding questions for your assessment planning and how you use your results. Um, so a really great resource to keep on your shelf. Um, the second book, and again, part of this is because I love the authors and, and appreciate the organization. So this was published by NASPA. It's called Learning is Not a Sprint, mm -hmm. um, Assessing and Documenting Student Leader Learning in Co-Curricular Involvement. Um, and I've had the privilege of not only learning from this book, but learning from the authors directly. I did a webinar, a sort of meet the authors, conversation with the authors um, webinar for NASPA with Kathy Collins and Darby Roberts a few years ago. Um, this is, again, a bit more of a philosophically bent book, so it's going to talk about the why a lot, but it also has some great resources, tips, tricks, ideas that focuses more specifically on assessment and co-curricular involvement, which is something a lot of us do. So how do you assess or better assess leadership development? How do you better assess student development? Um, and Kathy and Darby have put together a great group of authors um, that really, and I'm looking at it right now, I just realized how many notes I put in the margins of this book, like how many <laughs> things I starred and underlined. Yeah. Um, so lots of great um, conversation starters. So philosophically, if you're having a hard time sort of selling quote unquote assessment, um, lots of ways to talk about that, as well as just different resources, again, tips and tricks about doing assessment. So there's sample rubrics that I'm just looking at in here. Again, other guiding questions, um, so lots of great ways to even select appropriate learning tools for your student organization. I just found that there. Um, so there are lots of great resources. Books, of course, I know are 
more difficult to digest all in one shot. So I often see these as kind of my um, my encyclopedias, if you will. They sit on my shelf. I refer to them when necessary. Mm-hmm. I don't always recommend reading them in one shot because it's overwhelming. Um, but they're great resources to have. Um, yeah. I think, that's, I think that's about it. I probably could pull a few more books, but then we'd be here all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and if you have anything else, just resources like that, definitely send it along with the other stuff and I can sure. um, include it. But um, yeah, and just as we always sort of finish up here, um, just some quick final thoughts just of um, on this topic, if it is sort of more philosophical or just encouragement for folks or just kind of um, something you want to leave everybody on. Um. I would just go back to, shockingly, my whole idea about stories. Assessment really is about story. It's about storytelling. It's about finding those stories. And it's about celebrating the stories that we are privileged to interact with on a daily basis. Um, Assessment is really a formal, almost appropriately professional way for me to dig really deeply into what our students are thinking and what our staff and faculty are thinking. It's a great way to be intrusive and, you you know, really, really curious but doing it in a professional way. Um, And that's what I love about assessment. You will never get bored when you begin digging into student stories. You will always be inspired. You may be overwhelmed. You may be shocked. You may find it difficult, um, but you will always be inspired, and there will always be opportunities um, to celebrate and to showcase um, these unique paths that our students are on. And it's not just about our students, too. What I'm really loving about assessment is it allows faculty and staff to really play an active role in shaping other people's stories, but also understanding theirs better as well. You know, where does our bias come from when we talk about leadership? Um, It's not just a term that our students have to get used to, it's one we have to as well. I certainly had a different conception of leadership back when I was a student than I do now. And I certainly have a different conception of how to teach students leadership now than I did when I was a student trying to teach other students leadership and leadership development. Um, So assessment really is just this amazing way to dig more deeply and find our why. Uh, And we talk about that a lot. I know there are great webinars and workshops that talk about this. Um, But assessment is a really great way to do that. We get to dig really deeply. um, We get to celebrate. um, We get to share. And for me, it it is ultimately a privilege. It's a way for me to walk paths with students, faculty, and staff. Um, to be a guide, to be a mentor, um, and to to learn from other people as much as they learn from me. So assessment is not scary. It is an undertaking, um, but it's certainly not scary. It's just a, a way for you to continue being passionately curious, but then also a way to actually encourage and actively encourage student success. Yeah, that's an awesome point to end on. So um, <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa, for thank taking you. some time out to chat. It's really great. And I know there's going to be a lot of great resources for people on this episode. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anytime I get the opportunity to ramble about assessment, I will take it. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, have a great day. You too. All right, bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. As always, please leave us your comments and feedback for the podcast. It really helps us out. Give us any ideas for guests or topics for the episodes. We really appreciate it.